Welcome back to Alpi Parsha podcast, the podcast where we do a light dive into this week's Torah portion. Each week, we'll explore the Parsha, discuss a random passage connected to Jewish texts and Judaism, and think about how it connects to our lives. This week's Torah portion being Vayeshev. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Paul Saleka, and I'm always, as always, I am joined by Aaron Rotenberg. Good to be back. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing well, thanks, Aaron. How are you? What are you up to this week? I started a new uh, gig, kind of. Uh, I'd love to tell you about it. It's a internship. It's a Chesed internship at the Beth Tzedek Congregation here in Toronto. Um, chesed being loving kindness. Mm-hmm, yeah, Chesed being being the word for loving kindness. Uh, I think we learned about it a couple weeks. If you want to hear more about Chesed. Tune into whatever a couple of weeks ago told out where we spoke about Avraham being the model of Chesed and Yitzchak being the model of Gvura, of loving kindness and strictness. Um, and I think Paul, you said that you were very in the mode of Isaac being Gvura, having good structure, and I was taking on the mantle of Chesed and kindness. Uh, so now I found an internship that's going to let me do that more um where two days a week i'm going to connect with people at the synagogue and provide pastoral care and support to folks in the community that could benefit from extra extra connection that's so great and you know i am i am a member of the synagogue too technically i shouldn't say technically (laughs) i am a member of the synagogue so i will uh if i get an email saying could you use some chesed's I'll say, I'll click the button that says, Achshav, right now. And then say um, yes, and then I'll call you up and say, Paul, we need to talk. We haven't done enough chatting in these podcasts. <laughs> definitely true. Not enough chatting. But I'm, I'm very excited for you. I just love Beth Sedek, um, who is our sponsor of this podcast. No, I'm kidding. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to get it. We're... We're learning about this podcasting thing, but one day we're going to do things. I feel like in lots of podcasts, they always say, check out the show notes. Yeah. We never put anything in the show notes, but maybe one day we'll, we'll do that. One day when we are an official CJN podcast or Betsetic podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, once, uh, if, or if you, if you want to sponsor our podcast, we'll put you in the show notes. Email us at uh, lppodcast at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, that, that is a real email address that we check. So you can email us there. Uh, what's up with you this week, Paul? For me this week, I'm looking to cultivate some deep boredom. I am switching departments the week after this. And, you know, I've I've always been a very career-driven person, for better or for worse. So I'm going to take a few days off and go to Wasega, which is technically not off the grid because there will be electricity, but there won't be internet and there won't be water. So I'm going to spend Thursday and Friday closing it down. Yes, it is closed, but I'm still going. Mm. Um, So I will be there for a few days on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Maybe visit my old Simcoe County Synagogue while I'm there. No promises, though. I don't want to be held to that. I may or may not go. Um, And just uh, cultivate some deep water. Build a fire and huddle around the fire when it gets cold. Is that? We have electric heating, thankfully. It just oh, okay. takes several hours. Um, but anyways, that's that's me. So maybe I'll bring up my humash and read the Tanakh 
physically as opposed to off the internet, which I've done for all weeks except for the first week, which because I had so much adrenaline, I did read it from the Humash. Humash being, um, how would you describe a Humash? It's like the Tanakh, but for the weekly Torah portion. Um, yeah, for the well, Humash comes from the Hebrew word Chamesh, which is five, and it refers to the five books of. But what it referred to as the five books of Moses, because they're traditionally conceived of as being written down by Moses as dictated by God. Yeah, so it's what... a strange de- designation for this part of the Torah that we're in now in Genesis. Because what do you mean? Did Moses wrote down all these stories about Jacob and Joseph? Yes, says the tradition. He did. <laughs> what did King David write? He wrote Song of Songs? Uh, he wrote Psalm, the book of Psalms. Psalms. Close, phonetically. Yes, Psalms, songs. His son, King Solomon, wrote Song of Songs. Solomon wrote Song of Songs. King David wrote the Psalms. Psalms. Um, and when me and my mom used to watch Shtizel, she's like, uh-huh. people are always pulling out their Psalms and just reading them spontaneously. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish, like, I wish I did that. Like, I love that habit. I want to I wanna be that person who pulls out psalms and is so inspired. It's very poetic. Um, There's lots of great translations out there and even coming out as we speak. Any good ones you're recommending? Well, Someone you know? My, I guess. It's you as an Now, ad. he is no longer in the Aleph program with me, but uh, Dr. Brielle Rassler. Uh, just came out with a new, like, millennial, I forget, there's some, like, catchy title, like, a millennial's translation of the Book of Psalms. Uh, and she's very talented and a poetic writer. I think that's a great one. I really like Norman Fisher's, uh, like, mm, Buddhist mindfulness-inflected translation of the Book of Psalms. Uh, Reb Zalman also has a great translation for praying like specifically for what you're talking about like taking them out and like engaging in a more prayerful way with them sounds on brand for him for sure yeah well i love that i'll I'll, maybe some down the road we can do more psalms i'm always like oh we should do something like minor prophets but nobody wants it i think Mm -hmm. psalms might be more poetic and abstract One minute summary. One minute summary. Why don't you go first, Aaron? Oh, you should. I'm going to go first and tell you where we're at. And you will stop uh, time. Should I, I going to bring the timer up? Yes. Three, two, one. Uh, in the start of this week's Parsha, uh, we hear about Joseph, who is now a 17-year-old, Rachel's oldest son. And he's kind of a bit annoying, has all these dreams that make him sound so good. And all of his brothers and parents and everyone's bowing down to him. And the brothers don't appreciate this way that Joseph relates to himself and the favoritism that his father shows. And they find a way to throw him into a pit and sell him to the Egyptians. Uh, And they tell his father that he's died. There's a breakaway to the story about uh, Judah, who has this, his 
sons die and he ends up accidentally sleeping with his daughter-in-law Tamar and then we cut back to Joseph in Egypt who has dreams gets thrown into jail interprets dreams that's what I have to say about this amazing I loved all the editorializing it was very uh felt, felt very kind of um how would you say this in English? Like English felt very like close. Like there was a closeness to the editorializing. Like it felt very personable. Personable. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to try a one minute summary. Um, if you could time me and then I will. occasionally show it at the screen so I can see where I'm at. And then I promise to have two phones next time or two computers. Um, I'm happy to be the timer. If you're happy, I'm happy. Yeah. I remember um, saying to a coworker the other day, the one that I mentioned earlier, like, there's nothing wrong with being happy. I stand by that. There is not. Okay, let's go. What will make me happy is to hear your one-minute summary in three, two, two one. one. Jacob, uh, he ends up in Hebron. He has 12 sons, which, of course, become the 12 tribes. He has a favorite who's Joseph, and everyone's like, oh, he's so preferential. He's getting all the best treatment. He has a really special coat. Um... And then two of his brothers plan to kill him. Uh, and Reuben suggests they throw him into some sort of hole. Um, and while he's there, he's sold off to another group of people. Um, Judah marries and has three children. Uh, Joseph is taken to Egypt and sold to uh, a minister. And God blesses everything related to Joseph. Um, and then someone's wife hits on Joseph more than hits on him. And when he rejects her, she's vexed and says that he tried to force himself on her and he's thrown in prison. Um, and people are having dreams that Joseph interprets. Ooh. There I was, you know, when I, I think that it's always nice going second when you get to hear the, what the, you know what you said, and then you see how what you missed and what the other person filled in. I feel like that was great to hear. You got more focus on the second part of the Parsha. Things are always better as a pair, as we learned from Hevruta, you know. From Hevruta. I will say as well that, you know, um, I'm part of a diversity group. Me and my coworker representing Jewish people as part of this diversity group in my workplace. And everyone had to bring one word as an offering, and mm. I brought Hevruta. Mm. a diversity offering i was like things are better in friendship yeah. uh-huh. um and there was like a muslim group represented a disability group represented a new immigrant group represented and we're gonna have a big party big party a small party in a week like a lunchtime party so it'd be nice uh, for all of us to bring our words that represent us as a diverse group together so um just reminded me that everything's better in Hevruta. totally did i tell you that i saw uh paul and i did a chivruta about some Mishnaic rabbis at the start of the pandemic. Um, and I saw our teacher, Tali Adler, and I told her about how much we enjoyed learning with her the other day. And she was what so What did touched. she say? She said, oh, that's so wonderful. Because <laughs> it's this, or it was through Project Zug. So it was like not, uh, what's the word? Simultaneous we only received videos of her teaching. So she didn't see us or know that we were 
there necessarily. But so what you're looking for is asynchronous learning, oh, that's right. um, which is confusing because synchronous and asynchronous have but one letter apart. So when I'm talking to students, synchronous, asynchronous, synchronous, asynchronous, it gets really confusing. I feel like at one point I was her moderator, Tali Adler, at Limud. And I don't know if I mentioned to her that I took her class. And I was like, oh, what a missed opportunity. (laughs) My teacher was there and I wasn't like, hey. But there's always more opportunities to learn with her. But now we will learn from a verse, which I will choose randomly. I'll admit quasi-randomly because I have selected a few verses that I'm interested that I've noted in my text that I'm going to flip through some of the pages and place my finger near one of the verses. Ah, closest to this one. This is chapter 38, verse 24. And it says in English, about three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar has played the harlot. In fact, she is with child by harlotry. Bring her out, said Judah, and let her be burned. So this is a tough one. Uh... I see that I actually indicated that I want to do the verse after it, but I read this one. That's the verse that we're going to talk about. Uh, so again, chapter 38, verse 26. I will, uh, 38, verse 24. I will read it in Hebrew as well. Vayehi kim shlosh chodashim vayugad lihuda lemor zamta tamar kaltecha vegam hine hara liznunim vayomer yehuda so maybe let's first describe the context uh, that this week again the the narrative is interrupt the story of Joseph is interrupted by this little aside with this strange story uh, about Judah. Um, so is Judah, this the the rape of Tamar. I remember reading about a story called The Rape of Tamar. Is this that story? Uh, no. There is another Tamar. They both have, like, not nice sexual things that happen to them. Um, there's a story, I think, in the book of Samuel, where, uh, yeah a princess is raped by her brother and she happens to be named Tamar. But this is a different story with Tamar. Uh, Tamar was, this Tamar was married to uh, Judah's firstborn son. And the story has like some connections to this idea of like leveret marriage that you're supposed to if your husband dies without having children, there's this idea that the wife is supposed to marry the next brother. So this is like in the background of the story. 
So Tamar is married to Judah's oldest son, and then the son dies. So she's supposed to wait around for the next son, and then the next son dies, and then she's supposed to wait around for the next son. And then Judah's like, mm, he's too young, or Judah doesn't want to give her the son to marry. So there's this background that Judah's not really being fair to Tamar. And Tamar's kind of stuck, uh, doesn't really have much recourse, can't move on with her life. Um, and she does this thing where she dresses up as a, uh, so the word is zona. Here it's translated as harlot. Um, she stands by the side of the road and presents herself as a woman for hire who Judah, her father-in-law, sleeps with. And she says, well, and he says, Judah says, okay, I'll, I'll go back and I'll pay you later. And she says, well, give me signs that you're going to come back. And he says, okay, here's my staff and uh, my seal. And uh, he goes away and then she like disappears and he like comes back and or he sends somebody to like pay her and can't find her. And she's like hidden. She doesn't reveal her face to him in this interaction. And in this verse that we just read, uh, Judah finds out that his daughter-in-law that is not supposed to marry anybody except his youngest son, who he's not given her to, finds out that Tamar is pregnant and he's very upset. Right here he says, Tamar when he finds out that Tamar is pregnant, he says, bring her out and let's burn her because she's not kept true to, because she's been a harlot. And then just before she's going to get burned by her father-in-law, Tamar takes out the staff and the seal and says, I'm pregnant with this man's things. And you're just like, oh no, that's me. I made a mistake. Oh no, oops. And he's like, he realizes that he made, has made a mistake. And says, okay, I'm not going to burn you. The end of the story. Or not the end. This is also, it's like, this is what we're talking about last week. Right? That these are flawed characters that become, these are like central characters. Right? This is Jude, This character, Judah, is our namesake of Jews, that you were saying. Right? He's uh, the ancestor. And from this union with Tamar, right? Again, it does a little bit of uh, this like lineage that comes after, like there's again, twins. There's like a story of them being born and this son parrots that comes out is like, this is again, like the Davidic lineage that we spoke about also with Ruth and the Moabites in the previous week. And it's like from these like very strange stories that right are the kingship, the writer of the book of Psalms comes out of this line and the messianic, uh, like lineage comes out of this encounter, ultimate, like eventually. It's interesting too, because also I believe a Leverite marriage was implicated in the story of Ruth, and a Leverite marriage is implicated yeah. in the story of Tamar. He's, yeah. So who are Tamar's children? So she had twins from Judah, you said. Yeah, uh, and her twins are, yeah, Peretz and. Zarach. Peretz, do we read about him in Kabbalat Shabbat? Why do I feel like I hear that yeah. name? Yeah, we say Aliad Ish Ben Partsi. Right when we 
like part of the Lechadodi prayer, like spends a little bit of time talking about Shabbat, but then really spends more time talking about a messianic future that's coming. And there's this idea that somebody who's from the lineage of Peretz is going to come and bring in this better age. Yeah, nice connection. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, well, because I messed up the tomorrow. I was like, maybe it's a different Peretz. I didn't want to assume. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it always sounded very Spanish to me, like Perez. I'm like, who is this Perez in the Tanakh, you know, like this pre-Sephardic person? Yeah. And Peretz, uh, it also, it has some, like, meaning of coming coming out uh, or breaking forward. And there's right, this story about one of the twins of Tamar, like, is going to be born first and then comes out. And then the other brother, like, jumps out into the breach. And that is where the name Peretz comes from. So I guess another kind of allusion, you know, we talk about Jacob, was he the one following on the heels of Esau? And yeah. these twins having some sort of kind of... Right. I don't know what you would call like a uh, crossing of a threshold, some sort of action orientation related to their other twin. Um, yeah, there is something about the twins again. And there's like, it's, you're right, it's related to something in Genesis of like the younger son supplanting the older. There's also like some inversion that keeps happening and keeps causing tension. And this is like another moment where that's happening. Yeah, like an Ouroboros, like uh, infinity sign. That's what I think of. Uh, Yeah. But sorry, I was interrupting you. You said there's like a tension with like, there's multiple stories of younger sons supplanting older sons. Right, that's always happening, right? uh, Ishmael is the older son and Isaac kind of is the one that gets more of the blessing. And then... Uh, I guess here, Jacob or Esav was the older son and Yaakov and Jacob gets more of the blessing. And here, Zerach was really born first, but Peretz is going to be the one that's more important. And it's also happening with Joseph, right? That Joseph is like the younger one of the sons and he's kind of being preferred. And it's creating all this tension in this Parsha too. So it's like something that keeps happening that somebody's favoring the younger child and it's throwing off the order and everybody's getting upset. It's so funny too, because you would think that this being kind of a definitive book, if it's like, oh, you know, the older son is a natural order of things, but the younger son keeps supplanting it. You think someone could come around and be like, let's just make it that the rule is the younger son gets everything. Like just... Just turn it on its head if you're kind of... I'm imagining the Tanakh as if yeah. someone's like just writing it, knowing what they're writing. But obviously this is a splicing of things. Um, yeah, and I wonder why it's... It could right, make it different. It it seems like there's... It also makes me think of some later part where it's after the Israelites leave Egypt. Right, this also... this Our story, this Parsha is setting up the descent to Egypt where Joseph is sold to slavery in Egypt and has that thing with uh, Potiphar, that uh, the person who gets sold to and his wife and gets thrown into jail. This is going to bring all the brothers down and be the start of the story of being enslaved in Egypt. Eventually when they get 
free from Egypt. There's this uh, plague of firstborns uh, that all the Egyptian firstborns die. And there's a sense of, oh, and all the, there's going to be some special sanctity to all the firstborns of the children of Israel. And it's set up that like, oh, special standing for the firstborn children. But then that also gets like thrown out uh, after the sin of the golden calf, where Moses is like, ah, you firstborns haven't held things up properly. The only people that really have held things up are the Levites. So then the Levites supplant the firstborns again. And there's, there is some like theme of the order that you think it should be. If you're not like standing up for it, if you're not, right? Maybe it's some uh, sense or it's some like message against uh, what's it called when you just pass things down by by birth. There is a word for that. It's a complicated a word. word. I've only heard um, it in the context of the British royal family. Um, like, uh, what do you call it? Descent rules of British family. This will. The Googling will tell me succession, but there's another word too. Uh, there's some like Latin sounding word. Accession as well. Uh, but yeah, just this idea that things aren't being passed down by merit. They're being passed down by like uh, birth order. Like we kind of sense that that's unfair. And I feel like the Taurus like letting us say that, yeah, that's actually need not be based on like how people are, the order the people are born in. Like really what's more important is the qualities and values that you bring forward into the world. Yeah, I love that. That's kind of the thing we can take away, you know, going from the summary to the passage, connecting to Jewish texts as we did, but now how we, what we can walk away with it, it's, you know, that kind of assumption of hierarchy, of birth order, of who we think is the authority, who we think is responsible it can be subverted and it is subverted often. Like sometimes these patterns we think we see, you know, um, they can be changed within a few generations. So, and you know, it's just funny too, that story you said about the firstborn Israelites losing or Hebrews, was it firstborn, whatever they were called at the time being supplanted. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's so much pressure on them. It's always the firstborns that have so much pressure on them. I guess you're a firstborn. I'm a youngest born. So uh, we've only seen each other's, our own vantage points. Um, but yeah. it is interesting to think about uh, these things. So yeah, that's a good takeaway message for appliance to your life. Don't give too much credence to something that you've been born into. Do good things. Watch out for those younger children. <laughs> Watch out for those younger children because they will supplant you. Yes, there it is. <laughs> that's their true destiny. They're um. They're like cuckoo birds, you know, they're, they're going to knock you out of the nest and then take over the, the attention of the mama bird. <laughs> I've got my eye on you, brothers. I have two younger brothers. Which one will be that knocks me off, off of this podcast? <laughs> the brood parasite. I think that's what you call people who do that or animals that do that. Who's the brood parasite? Um, although I would love if one day, you know, let's say this podcast became really famous and then you and I went on to do other things. Someone took it over. That would, that would be a good kind of a uh, su- succession that I would uh, appreciate. Um, if only that would happen. <laughs> let's, let's give it a couple of years though. A couple of years. 
in the meantime, it's been great podcasting with you, Paul. It's been great podcasting with you, Aaron. As always, I'm one of your podcast hosts, Paul Saleka. And as always, I've been joined by Aaron Rotenberg. Have a great and learning-filled week. <laughs>